Lord, thank you for this evening, and truly, God, we, we, we just praise you tonight, God. You are God and you're King, and, and Lord, how can we not just lift up our hands and give you glory, God? You're so good. You're so wonderful. You're Lord God and King of the universe, and you're our maker. Lord, you, you've, you love us. You've come into our lives, Lord, and what else can we do in how you saved us and Jesus, how you died on a cross? So as we continue to worship you, God, we want to worship you with our hearts as we open your word. We want to put our full attention and focus upon you right now. So I pray you help our minds not to wander, but to stay attentive to you. And I pray, God, as we are focusing on you, Jesus, that your spirit would speak to us, Lord, and that you would move upon us right now. So I ask for your anointing, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There was this heated meeting going on inside the wood shop. Some of the tools were asking Brother Hammer to leave because he was beating up people with his words. Brother Hammer replied, If I have to leave this shop, then Brother Screw must go also. You have to turn him around again and again to get him to accomplish anything. Well, Brother Screw spoke up and said, If you want me to go, okay, but look at Brother Plain." Everything he does and says is on the surface. He doesn't have no depth. To this, Brother Plain responded, Well, then Brother Tape Measure must go, for he is always measuring folks as though he were the only one who is right. So Brother Tape Measure complained against Brother Saul. He's always cutting people off, not caring about what others say, only himself. Well, Brother Saul pointed to Brother Sandpaper. You ought to be the one to leave because you're so rough, always rubbing people the wrong way. Suddenly, in the middle of all this arguing, in, the, in walks the carpenter of Nazareth. Putting on his apron, he went to the bench to, and began to pull, make a pulpit from which to proclaim the gospel. He employed the hammer, screw, plane, tape measure, saw, sandpaper, and all the other tools that were in the workshop. After the pulpit was finished and the carpenter left for the day, it was then all the tools realized how important everyone was. They agreed that when they work together, submitted in the master's hand, they can build something that will make a difference for the gospel of Jesus. As we continue our study in the book of Philippians, Paul begins to call upon the church to work together to work together in unity. And so I've titled our, our message tonight, The Call for Unity. The Call for Unity. We're going to be studying Philippians chapter 2, and only two verses tonight, verses 1 and 2. And our outline is really only two headings also, which go with the verses. And our headings are number one, the inspiration, and number two, the ingredients. So, the call for unity, and we're going to begin with number one here, the inspiration for unity, basically. So let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul writes, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, and we'll stop right there. Now we begin here with Paul writing this word, so, which it connects us to what we saw last week. If you remember, our title was Act Like Citizens. And basically, hey, since you're saved and now citizens of heaven, we are to live like a citizen too. And if you, 
didn't get to hear that, you can catch it on our podcast now. Well, Paul goes on with soul, basically, as God has saved you, made you citizens, has been working in your life like that. If there is, and we're going to stop right there. Paul says, when, when Paul writes, if, think of it more like since. Since God has done these things listed here. That's what we're moving into here when he says, so if there is any. It's that thought of since God's done this work, since God is doing these things, as God has done these things that we're going to go through this list in the rest of this verse. Now, Paul's not saying, well, if you have these things or maybe they're kind of in your life. No, it's more like since God has worked in this way in your life, like you have these things. Paul's not criticizing the Philippians. He's not wondering if they have these things listed or wanting them to, you know, begin to do this. No, but it's more like since you have these things, then verse two, we should all work in unity. That's really the flow of thought here. I really want you to grasp this idea, first of all, because Paul is saying God has done and currently doing these things listed. And so if we can understand that, then that's what motivates us. That is the inspiration, thus our heading, for unity. One commentator, Robert P. Leitner, said, Paul wrote here about realities, not questionable things. And I like that. The reality is God has done these things in our life. So this is what God is doing in our lives right now. That's what Paul is saying. So what are these things which are our inspiration? Well, we're going to see four ways that we see this. In, we're being inspired here. We see the inspiration comes from four things, four ways. We're going to see, number one, God's encouragement. Number two, God's comfort. Number three, God's involvement. And number four, God's compassion. I was thinking, here, I, I love Paul because Paul like is into lists. You know, whenever we study his letters, he likes to list a lot of things. Well, we get a, a list here tonight of four things. So let's look at number one, God's encouragement. God's encouragement. So he goes on, he says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ. So that's this, this is our first thing. The word encouragement, parakalesis, it means coming alongside to help. It means to console, encourage, to even exhort in that way. Jesus, if you remember, used a similar word to describe the Holy Spirit and called him the helper in John 14, 16. So here's what Paul is saying. God's been for us and always there to help us. That's his encouragement. He's always helping. He's encouraging us. He's there for us, exhorting us. Either way, but God's been for us and always there to help us. It made me think about Psalms uh, 121 verse 1 and 2 reads, I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And isn't that so true? God has been our help. He's been for us. He's always encouraging us. And he's always there to help us. How many times has God answered our prayers, right? How many times has he come to our rescue when we called out to him? How many times has he come right there to help us right when we need him. How many times has he come and rescued us and strengthened us and, and helped us get through things? How many times has God even taken a 
broken and discouraged heart and help us to get up and get going again. Well, this is God who's been at work in our lives. He is our encouragement. And so Paul's like saying, that should inspire us, right, to do the same with others. Let's go on now to number two, God's comfort. We see number one, God's encouragement. Number two, what he lists here is God's comfort. And this is what inspires us also. Verse one goes on and says, any comfort from love. The word comfort literally is speaking close. That's what the original language says. In other words, God is right there with you speaking words of comfort out of his agape love. He's right there close to you. It speaks of a relationship. It speaks that he's close to you. And, and because he loves you so much, he's right there speaking words of comfort. It speaks of God's genuine care and concern. And I want to add this. And that he loves us, he comforts us, even though we fail him in sin so many times. So here, here's what Paul's saying. God, uh, God's been our comfort even when we didn't deserve it. God's been our comfort even when we didn't deserve it. I mean, this is his love. This is his unconditional love, right? The other day, um, someone was sharing with me, um, it was actually Sunday how uh, he's about to celebrate 48 years of marriage. I was like, oh, congratulations. And he was making a little comment about that, joking a little bit. So I joked back with him saying, yeah, Kristen and I, we're going to be celebrating 36 years of marriage. And I praise God she's still willing to stick with me. You know, That's kind of, it's, I'm, it's a joke. I was joking and, and all that. He goes, oh, I like that. I'm going to use that, you know, kind of thing. But... You know what, for me, what really honestly touches my heart is my wife is always there to comfort me. She's always there if I'm hurting, if I'm going through something. She's always there. And that's even if maybe I haven't, you know, maybe been too good to her, you know, before that. But what it really speaks to me is her love for me, that she really loves me. And she's there close, always, always encouraging me, always talking to me in that way. And so thank you, my love. <laughs> well, think about God now. God is 10 times more perfect with us. God is 10 times even more with us. And God's comfort should inspire us to be the same with others. So we see God's encouragement. See God's comfort. Now, number three, God's involvement. God's involvement. Now, Paul adds here next on the list, he writes in verse one, any participation in the spirit. Participation is actually the Greek word koinonia. We know that word. It is many times it's translated fellowship. It means having in common or sharing or it means partaking also and participating. And here I like the ESV because it says translated participation in the spirit because Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit is a big part of your life. The Holy Spirit is an active participant, right? We know He lives in us. We know we are temples of the Holy Spirit, right? Our bodies are. And so we're connected to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we know His ministry, right? He came, He generated us, he's, and now He lives in us, He teaches us, He 
He guides us. He helps us to understand things. He, he gives us strength, ability, brings fruit, all the things that the Spirit does. But He is an active participant in our lives. He not, he's not just someone outside. So Paul's saying, look, God's been actively and intimately involved in our lives. That's the participation in the Spirit. A couple stanzas by this poem by Deborah Ann Belka reads, Holy Spirit, come to me. Rest right here inside of me. Guard my heart, keep my mind. Let it be your peace that I find. Holy Spirit, come be with me. Continually support all of me. Lead my soul, direct my ways. Hear the words my heart prays. And I, I love that. I was reading this poem over and over. It just spoke to me personally about, wow, Holy Spirit, you're right there. You're involved in my life. You're my life. You're you're intimately, you know, connected to me. And it's so wonderful, isn't that great? That we have God the Spirit in us. I mean, it, it, it doesn't make it's so hard to understand it, but He's right there, actively, intimately involved in our lives. So I love this. It, it, it just speaks so much of this active participation that the Spirit is there guiding, empowering, directing, speaking to us. And, and of course, he points us to Jesus, right? It's all about Jesus. So God is definitely intimately involved in our lives. And then think about this. That should inspire us to also be involved in others. Well, First of all, we saw God is God's encouragement. Number two, God's comfort. Number three, God's involvement. And now number four, God's compassion. God's compassion. So the last thing in this list we see in verse one is this. Any affection and sympathy. Now, the word sympathy is actually, it means compassion. Matter of fact, the NLT translates this, hearts tender and compassionate. Hearts tender and compassionate. So, what Paul is saying, God's been very tender and compassionate toward us. We've all experienced that, he's saying. Everything in this list is like, you know what that is. You know what God has done. You know what God continues to do. And God's been very tender and compassionate toward us. I thought about Psalms 103.13, which reads, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Like a father... The Heavenly Father is compassionate toward us. I mean, this is God. This is the Lord Paul is saying. He's been so compassionate, like a father to his child, like taking care of us, always being tender, always loving on us, always like caring for us in that way. And so he's saying, you know, that should inspire us to be compassionate to each other. Okay, so Paul's saying, what's God, what God's been to us and what God continues to be to us that should be that inspiration, inspiration in how we should be toward each other. This is what should really motivate us. This is should inspire us. I read about a young man who had become an alcoholic and he stumbled into a rescue mission one day in the middle of the city and there he was served and given for free a bowl of chili and some food and something to drink. And, and while he was sitting there, then a little bit later, the there came a pastor who shared the gospel message. And when he heard that Jesus loves and wants to save sinners, that even him, how even him, an alcoholic, even him who ruined his life and other people's lives, when he heard that, he accepted 
Jesus Christ. And then in an instant, he felt the weight of sin and guilt be lifted off his shoulders, and he became a new man. We know what happens, right? We know what Jesus does in our life. Well, you know what? The story goes on. Later, he came back to that rescue mission, started to serve there, and then for 40 years, he was the superintendent. He was running, basically, that rescue mission. When asked why he had spent his whole life working with dirty, unkept, profane, drunken derelicts, you know what he said? All I'm doing is giving back to others a little of the love God has shown me. That's it. That's it, you guys. That should be us too. God has been our encouragement, our comfort. Our, he's involved in our lives. He has compassion upon us and he continues to to be our encouragement he continues to comfort us in his love he continues to participate in our life intimately and get and have compassion he gives us grace he forgives us when we sin he's he's been so compassionate even i was thinking today even when i failed him he's still there he's still loving on me yeah he doesn't give up on me never so shouldn't that motivate us to give the same. Shouldn't that motivate us to, to, to go to those who failed us or those who've hurt us or those, have, those people who've made it so hard maybe in our lives? You know, sometimes we say, how can I forgive them? But you know what? We should look to God and say, how could God have forgiven me? And when we think about it that way, then we realize, oh, wow, what can I do but forgive? Because God loved us, we can love others now. So that's the inspiration. This is what Paul is, is, is stirring up in our hearts, reminding us of all that God has done. And we see that, we receive that, we continue to receive that. But then Paul says, this is the inspiration for unity, as he calls for unity. Well, let's go on to number two now. Number two, the ingredients. And this is the ingredients to unity. We've seen the inspiration for unity, basically, and now the ingredients. Philippians chapter two, verse two now. Paul goes on and says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Now, Paul says, Paul then says, since God, you know, has been working like this and he's been doing all these things, then he goes on, he says, in verse 2, complete my joy. So what Paul is saying is he, he's already been blessed by the Philippians. He already has joy. He's blessed by them. He's happy with them. God's just filled his heart with joy for, for their heart for the Lord for the gospel as we've been studying, and even their love for him. We, we see uh, what we've seen, and even throughout, we're going to see, they really love Paul and are concerned for Paul. So he, he's blessed. He's full of joy. But he says, you know what? To really put a cap on my joy, to really put that cap and complete my joy, you know, I want to see you guys in total unity. That's what he's saying here. He wants to see the Philippian church in unity in the Lord. Now, we can kind of read into this a little bit because it seems like, and we'll see this next time, in the church, there were some who were acting maybe better than other people, maybe spiritually more mature, thinking they were 
Maybe they knew more than others, a little more proud than humble. We know that in chapter 4, we'll see there's two ladies, Eodia and Syntyche. They were in disagreement. Yeah. So something was going on there so much so that Paul had to write you know, about it in this letter. So Paul's like saying, you know what would really fill me with joy and bless me, complete my joy and give me full joy? Was that the whole church would come together in unity. So Paul calls on the church to, to, to find this unity, to get into this unity. And so this is this call. This is this call we're seeing, and that's our title, the call for unity. Uh, this um, old theologian, R.B. Cooper, once said, unity is of the essence of the body of Christ. And I like that. I was thinking about that for a moment when I read this. I thought, that's true. Unity is the essence, right, of the body of Christ as a church. We have to be in unity. I mean, what if our... My army built against this arm, or they, you know, they had a difference. No, come on, get to get. No, I don't want to, you know, and you couldn't get anything done, right? So the church cannot fully function without unity. Paul knows that. That's why Paul is calling the church to stop these things that are causing division. So you know what he does next? He puts out the ingredients, basically our heading, to unity. And we're going to see four things here. Four things, four ingredients here. Number one is the same mind. Number two is the same love. Number three is the same heart. And number four is the same purpose. So just like in our first verse, there's four things. Funny how Paul puts four things out here in verse two about the ingredients to unity. So number one, the first thing we see is the same mind. So verse 2 again, he says, complete my joy by being or maintaining or continuing uh, of being the same mind, being of the same mind. Now, same mind basically means like being like-minded, yeah? having a like mind. It doesn't mean that like we agree on every little single thing, but you know, it means that we do our best to obey God's word and his will together. That, that, that's really the basic idea. It's that strive to come to this common understanding with a, a sincere like heart agreeing that, okay, well, you know, we just want to do what the Lord wants. And, and then it's, it's to seek that out together. It's to, like Paul said, uh, uh, you know, find like the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2.16. And I think this is great that Paul starts here uh, with the mind, that we would have the same mind. Because... Unity, I think, starts in our mind because it's there, if you think about it, in our mind is where we look at people and analyze them, right? It's in our mind where we, we come up with the reasons to justify someone's actions or condemn someone's actions. It's in our mind where the suspicions start to grow in there. It's in our mind where we keep records of wrongs against us and it's in our mind where we determine, am I going to fight this guy? You know, am I going to, you know, retaliate and revenge her? It's in our mind where, it be, where we begin to have a battle sometimes, yeah? And, and it's there, I, even where the flesh is pushing our mind or, or the spirit is speaking to us. It's there in our mind where attitudes begin to form in us. 
It's our mind there. So ultimately, we, you see, we got to control our mind. And so Paul starts there to keep the same mind. And what is that? To obey God doing His will and not allow ourselves to do what we want or what the flesh wants, but what God wants, what the Spirit wants. So what he's saying is unity is maintained when we all work at being like-minded. Unity is being unity is maintained when we all work at being like-minded. That's what we have to do with our minds. And you know, later we're going to see this in well. Take a peek at Philippians four, Philippians four verse eight. Paul's going to talk about well, well, what kind of things we got to be careful of our mind. And in Philippians chapter four verse eight, you take a peek there. He tells us there, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So it's like Paul's saying, look, you got to be careful of your mind. If we're going to have the same mind, we got to have a godly mind and we got to fill them with godly things, not things that are of the world or conform to the world, not things of the flesh so to speak, but things of God. That's how we can be like-minded. Now, let me say this. As we're talking about having the same mind or a like mind, let me just put out here, just to be clear, there's nothing wrong with having an opinion. Nothing wrong. We all, we all have our opinions on things. We all see things. We all look at things. We all... You know, you know, see things a certain way. There's nothing wrong even with voicing your opinion. Not, nothing wrong with that. But we do need to think about is, first of all, what is in your mind, is that the flesh or the spirit, right? Is that you or is that God? What's going on in there? Yeah. What, what, what is... You know, even our minds need to be given over to the Lord, right? Paul was saying, hey, whatever you, you know, all these things in chapter 4, verse 8, they got to be in there. And then when we voice our opinions, are we sharing like in the flesh or in the spirit? That, that to me is what it comes down to. Because for me, I was thinking about this, Lord, I want my life in every way to be controlled by you, right? By the Spirit. And a lot of times in our emotion, right? Or in our anger, right? We don't say nice things, right? Or things don't come out, you know, like, or we say things we shouldn't really say. And I, I do that. I'll do that without thinking. I do that with my, because my emotions are raging inside me. I'm just, bleh, you know. And my wife still loves me. But, uh, <laughs> and, but then I started thinking, you know, it's okay. We, we have opinions and stuff. But even our opinions, even our thoughts, everything has to be placed under in the surrender to the Lord. It has to be. I want my life to be controlled by the Spirit. So I, ask, I, I, I want to ask myself, and I'm just throwing it out to you guys. We've got to ask ourselves, hey, is this the Lord or is it not? Is it, is, it, is, it the, is it the Spirit? You know, am I going down maybe a road or thought that really isn't of you? 
I mean, there's some thoughts. Sometimes I think, I, oh, I got to get it out of here. You know, don't think about it anymore. Don't, don't. It's just messing you up. You know, you know how sometimes we spin on something and then, and then it spins out of control and some thought turns into this huge thing which isn't true. You know, sometimes I go, no, no, no. I got to take that thought captive, put it in, under Christ, right? And then maybe we feel led to share it. Well, that's another step, right? How in what manner do we share that? As they say, presentation is everything, right? Uh, Proverbs 51, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And a lot of times, maybe I'm feeling it's the Lord, but then I start mixing it with some emotions and my flesh, and then it's just blah, and then, then my wife still loves me either way. But, <laughs> but you understand, we've all been there, right? But these are the things that we, we have to watch out in, in being like-minded as we want to talk through things, as we want to, you know, come to the same mind and come to agreement, you know. And, of course, we're all trying to find God's will in all of this. Um, we want to be in the Spirit, be controlled by the Spirit. So let me bring it back to the Philippian church and what Paul is saying. What will maintain unity in the church is to do our best to be like-minded, have the same mind, under spirit, you know, control in that way. Not fleshly control or not, oh, me control. Listen to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. It's like, oh, okay, wow, that, that's what I'm going to do. So there's a way to come to have the same mind. Well, let's go on to number two now. The same love. The same love. So Paul says, having the same love. Now, love here speaks on the consistency of how we love each other. The same love. That's what he's saying. And love here is agape. And so it should be this agape to everyone. In other words, no one is given less love than someone else. So Paul said, you know, we, we need to love equally. We need to love unconditionally here. We need to love everybody. So Paul saying unity is maintained. This is the second ingredient. When we all love each other equally with that same love. I like something John MacArthur wrote in his study Bible notes. He said, believers are to love others in the body of Christ equally, not because they are all equally attractive, but by showing the same kind of sacrificial loving service to all that was shown to them by Christ. I like that. Yeah, Just as Christ loves everyone equally, each one of us, we are to love in the same manner. God doesn't have some favorites, right? So we shouldn't have either. Um, do I was thinking about this. I was challenging myself. Wow, do I go and... It made me think about, you know, like in church situations or different situations, then do I go and talk to only certain persons, you know? Or am I open to anyone? Maybe the Spirit may lead me. Do I turn away from maybe those people you're a little uncomfortable for, with, depending on whatever situation, or maybe you don't know them, or maybe it's hard, you know? Paul's like, no, look, we are to have the same love, unconditional love. We are to love those who don't, uh, even if you don't know them that well, we are to love them like you do know them well. So that's the same love. 
So we see the same mind, the same love, and now number three, the same heart. Paul lists number, the third thing here in, in verse two is being in full accord. All right, full accord literally means one soul. S-O-U-L-E-D, one soul. It speaks of having like, like the same attitude, the same passion, uh, being in harmony and unity with each other and, 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 and the things that we do or, or what's behind it and all of that. It's, it's, to me, it's, it's to have a heart, right? To, to have one heart together. That's why I put the same heart of doing what we need to do or what, how we should carry ourselves in being united in the church, in the body of Christ. It's hard not to go against the word and what it says, and it's having a heart to keep things in harmony and together, and so no division would come to pass. So, Paul is saying unity is maintained when there is a passionate concern for linking together as one body. I kind of made that long, but I had all these thoughts in my mind, so I put it together. But unity is maintained when there's a passionate concern with our heart for that, that concern for being linking together, being linked together as one body, that we care about that, that, that we know this is the body of Christ, that we, we're concerned for that, so, so we want to do everything we can. That's that one heart, the same heart. The I don't know if you knew this, but the redwood trees in California are considered to be the largest things on earth and the tallest trees in the world. Some of them are 300 feet high and over 2,500 years old. Crazy, yeah? The interesting thing is that you would think that such a 300-foot tree would have really deep, deep roots, you know, not to fall over. Well, actually, the redwoods have a very shallow system of roots. You, you, you know, you think, what? Shallow? You think they just fall over easy. But they don't because all the roots of the forest of redwood trees, they all intertwine. And they're all locked and linked together. So that when the storms come or the wind blows, the, the, red, the redwoods, they stand. They don't fall over. They're locked to each other. They're linked to each other. And they don't stand alone. So all the trees protect and support each other in this linking together. I love that because that's what the church should be, linked and locked together to weather the storms that come through and blow through the church. Now, I was thinking about this. The Philippian church was probably, there was a storm was starting to go through. A wind was starting to blow, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, Some people were maybe a little more prideful. There's some couple of women in there was, you know, uh, had a d- big disagreement. And so they're beginning to go through the storm with maybe some division starting and, and all that. Will it survive? Will it survive the test? Well, I think Paul's saying, hey, as long as you have the same heart, you got to keep the same heart. As long as you link together with that same heart, have a passionate concern to link together as a body, you can weather the storm. All right, the last uh, ingredient here, number four, is the same purpose, the same purpose. We've seen the same mind, the same love, the same heart, and now the same purpose. The last part of verse two, it says, and of one mind. Okay, one mind, the word mind there really means 
think a certain way. That, that's what it literally means. Um, and so it's all, we're all to think a certain way, one mind, that's why it's translated that way. But to give us more an idea of what it's really talking about, the NASB says, intent on one purpose. That's the way it translates it. So it's talking about the purpose, having one purpose, having the same purpose, that's my heading. And what is that purpose? What's Paul been talking about? Remember this last chapter? How he was so emphasizing, like, Jesus, right? He's all about Jesus, right? For me to live as Christ, that is gain. It's all about Jesus. If I, if I live here, it's about Jesus. If I die, I get to be with Jesus, right? So it's all about Jesus. And what has he been really pushing to along with that? The gospel, right? Jesus and his gospel. So I believe when Paul says, and of one mind, well, and one purpose in what? What's he been talking about? Well, in context, Jesus and the gospel. We all line up under that purpose. So unity is maintained when all line up for the glory of Jesus and the gospel. Unity is maintained when all line up for the glory of Jesus and the gospel. Just this last Saturday, right, Dean and Vita were married. Pastor Stephen married them, right? And they're not here because they're on their honeymoon, those sinners. They should be in church. No, yeah. But they're married. Woohoo, right? Um, and I was thinking about this. Do you remember? Um, most of you guys were there, but on Friday, uh, when we, we came in, there was a, re you know, before the rehearsal, um, everyone was rushing around. There's there setups and decorating going on. I know Lainey came early, right? And you guys are trying to did the tables and covering the tables and everything like that. And everyone was just, you know, a flurry of activity going on with the setting everything up. And then there was questions, right? Questions that come out like, oh, should we put this here or should we move it there? Or what do you, what, what do you think about this? Or, oh, no, maybe you should be on stage. Well, okay. And then, but there's all questions, you know, going all around and everything. And, and, but, in, but in all this, I remember asking, uh, uh, well, we should ask Vita. I forgot what the question was. We should ask Vita. And then, and then uh, he goes, oh, yeah, well. And then he turns to Dean, well, Dean, what do you think? You know, I, and I thought that was really cute, you know. Anyway, that she was kind of referring. But, but either way, ultimately, right, all of our questions and the setups and little details, it was kind of like, well, what do you guys want, right? It's their wedding, right, ultimately. It's, 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 it's your wedding, or I always think the bride, that's our day, so whatever, whatever you want, we're going to do, you know. And you just let us know, and we're going to, we'll, we'll do it all the way, whatever you want. So, and all these things, you know, on all these things, it, it, it goes to Dean and Vita, you know, and what they want. Why? Well, it's their wedding, right? It's, 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 it's their event there. It's, all, it's about, you know, Vita and Dean getting married. So, even if I would want it this way, or I want it that way. You know, who am I to say that? It's about them. Yeah, it's about what they want, right? It's about the, the glory of, quote-unquote, Dean and Vita, or, or the bride there. It's her day, right? I always think about it that way. It's about God putting them together in marriage. Well, in a, in a, in a similar way, we as believers, we line up under what Jesus would want, right? For His glory, for His gospel. You know, his body, the church, you know, the body of Christ, it, it's his. And so we line up for him, for his glory and what he wants. Not, not us, not what we like in that way. And so I, I was thinking, that, that's just like in this wedding. 
that in the church, unity is maintained when we all line up for the glory of Jesus and the gospel. We all can line up under that. That's what's important. That's what the goal is. I was thinking about what Augustine said. Um, he wrote, listen to this, Two cities have been formed by two loves, the earthly by the love of self, even to the contempt of God, the heavenly by the love of God, even to the contempt of self. Now, I know it's kind of deep and, and maybe the phrasing a little bit different, but basically it's like Augustine is sort of saying this. He's saying that there's, a, there's kind of two, two kind of societies, you can say. There's an earthly kind of society which is based on loving self and disregarding God. But there's a heavenly kind of society which is based on loving God and disregarding self. So if you think about that, you know, we want to glorify God. We want to love Him. We, you know, we want to disregard ourselves and what we think, but let God have the glory. Let God have His way. Not, well, I want this. Sorry, Jesus. You know, I want this in the church. Sorry, Jesus. I know it's your body of Christ, but no, I don't care. No, of course not, right? So that's the kind of society we want is where we're loving God and putting self to the side. So what kind of society do we want in the church, right? We want the one that loves and respects God more than ourselves. And so when we put self aside and put Jesus and the gospel first, then you know what? All of this clicks together. These four ingredients, having the same mind, the same love, the same heart, the same purpose. And so church, let's keep these things in mind because this is what's going to unite us. And this is what's going to really bring us into being this family of God. I want to close with this story. Um, 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 uh, oh, I spelled his name wrong. Um, Powell, you know, um, Colin, Colin Powell. Um, he was a four-star general, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and secretary, secretary of State when President, President George Bush was in office. And he wrote about, I came across this incident that he wrote about in his biography, My American Journal, Journey. Uh, he writes this, while interviewing a young African-American soldier on the eve of Desert Storm, ABC correspondent Sam Donaldson, Donaldson asked, how do you think the battle will go? Are you afraid? We'll do okay. We're well trained, the soldier said, gesturing toward his fellow GIs. And I'm not afraid because I'm with my family. The other sh soldier shouted, tell him again, he didn't hear you. The soldier repeated, this is my family and we'll take care of each other. Then Colin Paul, uh, Powell says this, we have to start thinking of America as a family. We have to stop screeching at each other, stop hurting each other, and instead start caring for, sacrificing for, and sharing with each other. We have to stop constantly criticizing, which is the way of malcontent, and get back to the can-do attitude that made America. Then he said, we have to keep trying and risk failing to solve this country's problems. We cannot move forward if cynics and critics swoop down and pick apart anything that goes wrong to a point where we lose sight of what is right, decent, 
and uniquely good about America. Yeah, really, especially right now, yeah? Timely words. I mean, you think about America right now, it's like, oh, we got to do that. But I liked what he said, if we think about the church, the body of Christ. And I think all that he said here, we can apply even to ourselves and the church. And it goes along with what Paul's been saying here as he puts out the call for unity. Let's pray. God, forgive us for our lack here in these lists, in these (coughs) things that Paul had put here in these two verses. So many things, Lord, and so many areas in our life that I know I have failed and I I haven't really uh, given thought to, Lord. But all of us, Lord, we are now accountable as you spoke to us and we study this passage. So help us, Lord, to apply these things in our life and to be and fulfill, God, the people you want us to be in our church, Lord. We know as Paul is calling these Philippian believers to uh, live in this manner, to have these ingredients, to be inspired, Lord, God, let us do the same and take it into our lives and where we're at today, Lord. God, help us to grow, Lord. Help us to not uh, stay the same, but where you're stretching us, where you're pulling us, where you're convicting us about, where you're asking us to step out, Lord. Help us to have the courage to do those things. And at the same time, Lord, we know you will meet us there and you'll bless us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit strength. And God, as I talked about earlier, help me and everyone here, Lord, to be more mindful of our flesh and to be more surrendered under the control of the Holy Spirit. And even down to the thoughts in our mind, in our minds, the attitude in our hearts, God, even feelings that can run away from us, Lord, help us to keep them in control and check. And Lord, help us to be and become, Lord, those people you want us to be. So thank you, God, for your word tonight. It's, it's a lot. It's convicting. But Lord, we know you're speaking, and we know you, you're only saying these things because you want us to grow, and you're there growing us too. In Jesus' name, amen.